Good morning. Up to John 17 today, what's sometimes called the high priestly prayer. It's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in the Bible. It's a prayer that Jesus prays right before, on the night, we call it Monday, Thursday, the night before he was arrested and beaten and, and, and crucified on what we call Good Friday. The longest recorded prayer. And I thought about this, you know, I, I do uh, map out my sermon schedule uh, usually in August. And so last August, I was mapping out this sermon series and the ones that will go through the rest of this year. This week, I'm going to take about three or four days and map out up to 2023, the end of 2023. So when I was mapping this out last year, I knew that this Sunday would be John 17, the high priestly prayer, Jesus prayer, right before, you know, his, his beating and crucifixion. And right after our 24-7 prayer week. And I thought, maybe, last summer I was thinking, maybe I should scrunch the scripture together so that John 17 comes like last Sunday. So we could look at how Jesus prayed and then say, okay, this is how Jesus prayed, so this is how we should pray. That would make sense. But we're looking at John 17 after our 24-7 prayer week. Why would we do that? Because if you were one of the people that were in this room and praying during those 164 hours of prayer from last Sunday till this, then you know something. You who've been in here and you've been praying over those cards that are on that table. And, and, and I don't know how many people told me, boy, that hour just flew by. Some people, this is the first time they did it. And they said, man, that hour, I, you know, I was in here and then someone came in following me. I thought I was in here for 10 minutes. I was in here for an hour. You know something. You know the power of prayer. You know that God works. You know that when people pray, I don't know how, I don't, I don't understand prayer to be totally 100% honest with you. I don't know. God knows everything. God knows your needs. He knows my needs. He knows everything that's going on. But he calls us to pray. And Jesus seemed to pray an awful lot. And so it seems to me that if Jesus prayed so much, maybe we should too. And so you know it. You know it. You know what happens when people pray. What happens when people pray is like the phone call I got just last night from a guy who's been on our cancer list, Jason Murphy. And he and his wife, they were both on the phone. They called me last night. It was about, I don't know, 7 o'clock. They said, hey, can you take a call? They texted me, can you take a call? And I said, sure, and they called me back. said, Pastor, we just want you to know Jason had stage 3 colon cancer. The tumor was the size of a grapefruit. He's about, I don't know how old Jason is, let's say 40, he's in that range. Pastor, we just want you to know, we just got the all clear. Totally gone. So just have a, he, he says, I just got a little round hole. It's about the size of a bullet wound, so I'm just going to tell people I was shot. God hears and answers prayer. You know there's power in prayer. And all of Jesus' prayers are important, right? All of them are important. And sometimes, I, I don't think Jesus ever prayed like what sometimes we pray. Sometimes we pray without even thinking. Sometimes we pray just, you know, uh, thoughtless prayers. Maybe for a meal or whatever. When I was growing up, we had the Prince Prayer. We prayed the very same prayer every time we ate. Lunch, breakfast, lunch, dinner, didn't matter. We always prayed the Prince Prayer. And the Prince Prayer was... Oh, Lord, bless this food around this table. Once more we ask in Jesus' precious name, amen. And my mom, she wasn't a great cook. And so if, 
She's in heaven. She knows the truth. So if it was a meal that you didn't really want to eat, you know, if it just didn't look very appetizing, we would stretch that prayer out as long as we could, hoping that Jesus would come back before we said amen. But if it was something good, or if you were really hungry, we'd pray that prayer, oh Lord, bless this food around the state once more, we ask Jesus' precious name, amen. I don't, I don't think Jesus prayed me in this. My friend Lisa, my friend Lisa, here's a shameless plug. Next week, we're going to be signing a book. The book is going to be released next Sunday, and you can get the book. And one of the chapters, one of the chapters in the book is how Lisa closes every prayer, and that is, have a good day, Lord. That's how she prays. She says that at the end, instead of amen, have a good day, Lord. And she got that. Uh, she was a checky, uh, you know, checkout lady at, at Kroger, and she would say, you know, have a good day to her, her customers as they were going through. And so she thought, well, you know, I should be saying that to the Lord. Have a good day, Lord. So she, that's how she ends her prayer. That's a chapter in the book. That's the shameless plug. It's over. Next week, we're going to be doing that. Sign it. It's cheaper here than on Amazon. $12 here, 16 there. Okay, enough of that. <laughs> Jesus prayed prayers important prayer. Certainly the prayer from the cross, right? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's an important prayer. And the prayer he prayed uh, in, in John 11 when he raised uh, Lazarus from the dead, that was important. Father, I thank you that you have heard. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that, that, that you sent me. That's an important prayer. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, um, and riding, you know, on the, on the donkey on Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday. And he looked out at the people. He said, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came for this hour. Father, glorify your name. That's a pretty important prayer. So if you're the last night with the disciples, he's getting ready to head out for the Garden of Gethsemane. Longest recorded prayer. What would you pray? How would you pray it? It's in John 17. Last week, I made you stand for the reading of his word. If we're ever going to stand for any passage, we need to stand for Jesus' prayer, the longest prayer. I'm sorry for that. John 17, would you stand as I read this passage? It's a little long. If you get weak need, go ahead and sit down. Here we go. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you glorified him, uh, given, granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I've revealed you to those you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them. 
by the power of your name, that you, of the name you gave me, Jesus' name, I protected them and I kept them safe by that name that you gave me. None of them has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so the scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of the, my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am not of the world. I pray, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And I sent them into the world. And I have sent them into the world. Just as I have been sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself so that they too may be sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. Get this. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and me are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. May God bless the reading of his word. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Wow. Okay, this prayer, this prayer of Jesus. He prays, you can break it into three sections, uh, three thirds, and the first third, he prays for himself. Now, the prayer that he prays for himself is not the type of prayer that often we pray for ourselves. So often, when we pray for ourselves, we, we, just, we just, you know, start listing off all the things we want. You know, do this, do that. I know you're not Santa Claus, but I'd sure like this and this and this and this and give me that and give me that. We're almost like, you know, Janis Joplin. Oh, Lord, won't you send me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all have Porsches. I must make amends. You remember that song? It's a terrible song. But that's the way sometimes we pray. But that's not how Jesus is praying. He, his prayer for himself was that he might be glorified. Did you see that? Imagine if we prayed that way in our lives. You know, we wouldn't be praying, you know, oh Lord, don't you send me a Chevy Colorado, we're in Flint. I prayed that prayer, I got my Chevy Colorado, and now Carla is praying, oh Lord, don't you get rid of that Chevy Colorado. <laughs> send me a Buick, because that truck makes me sick, I don't know. That's just stupid, I'm sorry. What if we didn't pray for fame or things or stuff? But what if we prayed that God would be glorified in us? Wherever we go, whatever we do, that God would be glorified in us. Now listen, if you pray that prayer, 
If you pray, Lord, be glorified in me. Be glorified in my, be glorified in my suffering. Be glorified in me in my pain. Be glorified in me, Lord, in my struggle. Be glorified in my joys and my happiness for sure. But Lord, be glorified. Wherever you go, be, be careful you pray that prayer. Because Jesus prayed that prayer. Be glorified in me. And what happened? It led him to the cross the very next day. Be glorified in me, Lord. Be glorified. Let people see your love shining through me. Whether I'm on the mountaintop or in the valley, be glorified in me. Oh, what if we prayed that prayer? Not riches, not fame, not this, not that. Lord, just whatever happens, be glorified through me. That's what Jesus is praying. The second thing Jesus prays for then, after he prays to be glorified, he prays for his friends. Do you see that? He prays for the disciples. He prays that they would be strengthened and protected, that they would be sanctified, set apart, for his use and his glory? Again, what if we prayed that way for our friends? I think we'd pray differently. You know, now there's nothing wrong with praying for people's illnesses or sickness. We do that in here every week. And every week we pray, you know, no matter how large our church gets, we want to pray for people because we're made up of people and we're a community. And what happens when you're in a community? That means you love one another and you pray for one another. And so, Every Sunday morning, we, you know, we list off the people. And I told Jason last night when they were calling me, I said, Jason, we can take you off the cancer list. And instead of putting you your family on the grief list, we can just put you on the happy list. I don't know. We don't have a happy list, but maybe we should start one. There, I guess that board over there is the happy list, the praises. Well, what if we prayed that way? And sometimes, you know, when we pray for people in, in the service like this, Sometimes, you know, we forget a name. Sometimes, you know, we, we don't even know about it. We don't know about it in the office, so we can't put it on the list. Sometimes it's on the list, and especially when I'm praying, I, I'll skip a name, you know, which is just dumb. But it's still worth praying for one another and praying for our ailments and our sicknesses. But notice, in Jesus' prayer, he didn't, he didn't pray. He didn't pray. Well, Lord, would you help James's back? I've been noticing he's got kind of a hitch in his back. And Andrew's got the sniffles. Would you take care of that? And would you shut Peter's big fat mouth? He's always getting into trouble. He doesn't even say, Lord, change Judas's mind. You would think that that would be the top on the list. Lord, I know what Judas is going to do. Change his mind, Lord. Just change his mind. Whatever it takes, change his mind. That's what we would pray. Wouldn't that be what he prayed? But that's not what Jesus prayed. Notice what he prays for. He prays not that they would hunker down while the world is going crazy. He prays that they would be protected because the world hates them. What if we prayed that way? He prays, oh, he prays for their unity. Lord, let them be one. You know, Lord, they can't be lone rangers. Let them be one. He prays, he prays that they might be filled with his joy. Or let them be filled with the joy, 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 joy down in their heart. Thank you. I was hoping, Dean, I was hoping that someone would say, where? Dean didn't let me down. <laughs> yeah, we want... He's praying for his friends, not that they would be escapists, not that they would head for the hills and, and live out in a cave, but they would be, 
be protected in the world that hates them, that they would, would be one together, no Lone Rangers, that they would experience joy deep down. And finally, he prays for their holiness, sanctify them. God still calls his people to be a holy people. My brothers and sisters, in our world today, it seems that, that, that impurity is winning the day and no holiness seems to be out there. And the, and the lie that you believe, no one can live a holy life, that is not true. You can, not on your own, you can live a holy life as the Holy Spirit empowers you and in, enables you. You can live a holy life. And Jesus is saying to, his, to praying in this final prayer, the longest prayer, Lord, here are my friends. What I want most out of them, yes, I want them to be one, and yes, I want them to be protected, and yes, I want them to experience joy, but I need them to be holy. Guess what? He still needs his people to be holy. In our impure world, we need to be holy. Why? Because this particular longing of God is dependent on voluntary human obedience. In our determination to divide and our refusal to forgive one another, we, mere humans, deny Jesus an answer to his cherished prayer for unity. How true that is. My brothers and sisters, Jesus is praying for unity. They must be one. You gotta be one. What's that mean? That means red and yellow, black and white. We are precious in his sight. We've got to be one. In non-essentials, we can have a difference of opinion. But in the essentials, we need to be together. You know, you don't have to be a Michigan fan to be a Christian. I, I, I know it's hard, but that's true. And that's okay. The Lord doesn't care what sports teams you cheer for. He, he doesn't care about some of the thing, you know... In our church, you can, you, can, you can believe in a seven-day, 24-hour creation or a million years creation. As long as you begin in the beginning, God created, you're okay with us. And in the end, if you want to talk about the end times, you can be a premillennialist, a postmillennialist, an amillennialist, non-believe, whatever, you know, as long as you believe Jesus is coming again. I, I put myself where my professor in, in seminary said he was a panmillennialist. It's all going to pan out in the end. <laughs> we believe that. If you believe that God created and it's all going to work out in the end, then you're good with us. You can have a difference of opinion on some of those things. It's okay. But listen, we live in a more divided society than ever, don't you think? I mean, and it's seeped its way into the church. And if we're going to do what Jesus says to do, we're going to be united we're going to be one. We're not going to let some of that garbage that is dividing our country seep in here and divide us. We're going to put a stop to that and say, no, 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 no. We've, we're one. We've got Jesus as the goal, and we're one. We are, you, that's what Jesus prayed for. We've got we've to listen to Jesus and be united and be one. That's what he called for us, and that's what we, well, that's what we got to do. All right, so... His first third of the prayer, he prays for himself, but not, some, uh, not for money or fame. He prays that God would be glorified. The second part of the prayer, he prays for those closest to him, those disciples, those uh, friends of his that he's empowered, the apostles. And then thirdly, lastly, the last part of the prayer, you'll never believe it. Jesus prays for you and me. 
2,000 years later, he prays for you and me. This is what he says. My prayer is not for them alone, not for those disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe me through their message. That's us. How do we know Jesus? We know his, Jesus through the message of the disciples. They told the story. They wrote it down. They told someone, told someone, told someone, told someone, told someone, blah, 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 blah. 2,000 years later, here we are. He's praying for us. What does Jesus pray for us? Just as you are in me, verse 21, and I am in you, may they also be in us. Jesus prays that we would be so connected to him. Remember last week, he is the vine, we are the branches. That we are so united, that we are so, you can't tell where the vine ends and the branch begins, that we are so connected to him, that, 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 that all our life comes through him, that we abide in him, that we are, uh, uh, remain in him, all that language that he used that we talked about last week, that we are in him. That's his prayer for us. What does he want for you? He wants you to be connected to him. Get your source of energy, your source of hope, your source of life all through Jesus. Is that you? If not, why not? Years ago, I was pastoring at Richfield, the church at Mount Morrison Irish Road at the time, and I had been invited to go to a mission conference in uh, Orlando, Florida. And so it was just going to be a quick trip. And then uh, Carla and the boys, we decided, well, that could be a little vacation. And so they were going to join me later in the week. I had a mission conference at the beginning of the week, and they were going to join me at the end of the week. And then we were going to fly back so I could preach back on Sunday morning. And so, which was great. That was the whole plan. Leave on Tuesday, come back Saturday. No problem. Write, up my, write my sermon all day Monday. You know how it is when you're a pastor? Ah, sometimes your plans change. Somebody died. <laughs> they didn't ask for my permission. And so I had to do a funeral on Monday, fly out Tuesday, Carla and the boys, you know, Thursday, Friday, fly back Saturday. Ah, how is this going to work? And so I thought, okay, I got I to gotta work on my sermon on the plane. On the plane to, to Orlando, I've got two and a half hours. I work on the, the sermon there, get my start. It's important to get a good start. And then I wake up early, so I figured I'd just get up early before everybody else and work on, on the sermon throughout the week. So it started. I had to have empty space. So I'm praying, Lord. Let, the plane, let my seat on the plane be empty next to me so I can have silence and work on my sermon. I've got two and a half hours. I've got to work on that sermon. You know what's going to happen, don't you? So I get on the plane. Uh, there's three seats on this side, two seats on that side. And I'm walking down the aisle, and I see my row, and I see the guy sitting. I'm on the two-seat two, uh, section. And the guy in, the two, in my row sitting next to me not only took up his seat, but took up half of my seat. He was a big guy. I thought, oh, Jesus, how am I going to work on my sermon? You got this guy. He takes up most of my seat, so I squeeze in. And I, you know, I'm wearing a Michigan hat, of course. And he looks at me and says, oh, you're a Michigan fan. Oh, I got next to a talker. I know it's a talker. I got to be a worker, but he's a talker. Yes, I'm a Michigan fan. Oh, what's your name? Well, my name's Rob Prince. Okay, what's your name? <laughs> My name's Rocky Rowe. Now, that sounds like an ice cream flavor. It sounds like an ice cream flavor. But if you're an old timer like me, an old baseball guy like me, you know who Rocky Rowe is. Rocky Rowe was a major league umpire. And so I looked over and on his hand was a big ring from the 1990 World Series where he was the World Series umpire. I know this about Rocky Rowe as well. Rocky Rowe's mother attended my brother's church in Union Lake, Union Lake Church of the Nazarene. 
And so I mentioned, and Rocky Rowe was a wonderful Christian man. He had given my brother all sorts of junk. You know, he had shirts from every sports team. He even gave Fred a, t- I don't know what all Rocky Rowe gave him. So I said, you know, my brother, my brother's pastor, he's pastored your mom. I'm Rob Prince, that's Fred Prince. And Rocky Rowe and I started a conversation. We talked very little about baseball. As big a baseball fan as I am, No, we talked about his family and my family and how God was working and where he has been and how God was using him and he was asking about the church and he was saying he was going to pray for the church and I was saying I was going to pray for him and it was going on and pretty soon I heard over the intercom, we're about to land in Orlando. (laughs) Lord, where did that time go? What happened? We were united. We were together. We were, we were experiencing what Jesus is saying. He wants for his people connected to me, connected to each other. And he says, when we do that, when we're connected to him, connected to each other, you know what happens? Jesus says, the, the last part, the last part, they will be brought into complete unity. Then, did you see this? Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. When we're connected to Jesus and we're united together, 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 that's when the world knows. That's why we're here. Why are you here? Why do you go to that church? Because we're connecting people to Jesus. How are you going to do that? Well, we're going to do that when we're all one, connected to him, when it's all about Jesus. We're going to do that when we're united, we're together, old, young, black, white, whatever distinctions you want to make, we're all together. Michigan fans and everybody else, we're all together. And then we want to be the best neighbors. Our neighbors across the street, our neighbors across the world, we want to be the best neighbors. It's pretty simple, right? Listen, I know we got to go, we got to go. If you're half as excited as I am, then you'll be, we're going we're gonna to lay this stuff out a lot more in the coming days. You know, last fall we had our Imagine uh, deal and you all you all committed 3.2 million dollars over 400 giving units to get there we didn't have some fat cat coming in and saying all right we'll give you know two million you do the rest no it was just all of us working together and some of that work is happening even now if you went back into the nursery areas you'd see they're painting and they're only they've cramped the kids into two rooms because we're working on the other rooms stuff is happening thank you thank you thank you thank you that's the point listen why'd we do all that we did it all so that we could be the best neighbors, so we could reach our neighbors, so that our neighbors would know that Jesus is king. In this divided world, they need to see a group of people, just like you and me, who want to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, who will do anything it takes to proclaim the good news of Christ, who are praying constantly, Lord, be glorified in me and help my brothers and sisters and be in me so that we can be the best neighbors, so that we can reach our world, so that everybody will know that Jesus is king. That's why we're here. That's why we do everything. And God has brought us all together. A great pastoral staff, a great uh, office staff, a great facility crew, a great, a great church board so that we can see this accomplished. And we are. We just got to keep focused, keep focused in all we do.